Welcome to episode two of the relaunch of the only British-based San Francisco Giants podcast, the Splash Hits podcast. I'm Charlie Baldwin, and today I'm joined by creator and head admin of at SFGiants underscore UK on Twitter and the Splash Hits podcast, David Gibson, the lead Giants writer for batflipsandnerds.com, Ash Day, and our very special guest today from the Bay Area. He is co-admin of at SFGiants fans on Twitter and co-admin of Giants chat on Facebook, Brooks Knudsen. So today we thought it would be interesting to speak some, to somebody from the Bay Area to contrast their experiences of Giants fandom with our own. And also we will talk a little bit about spring training and last season as well as this season. So my first question to you, Brooks, is how did you get into baseball and the San Francisco, and the San Francisco Giants? And then we'll go to Dave and then Ash for a follow-up question on that as well. Yeah, that's a... Uh... First of all, hey everybody! Thanks for having me on, Charlie and guys. And uh, yeah, this is just—I just been having so much fun during this uh, this off season uh, talking Giants. Now we're into spring training. I'm just—I don't know. I—I've I've been more focused on this Giants spring training squad than I have in the past—I don't know—six years or so. I mean, this is such an intriguing group of guys. So I'm very, very excited. Uh, just looking at box scores because a lot of times the game's not televised and it's like, Hey, a home run. Was it, was it a home run? Was it a cheapie? Who knows? But it's, it's fun to look at this, uh, progress, uh, for the giants. So, uh, to answer the first question, um, my baseball and giants, uh, story is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. I'd say, uh, I was born on a Tuesday and my first game was Friday night at candlestick when I was 72 hours old. Uh, Luckily, um, I'm born in July, but still, that's like freezing cold temperatures at Candlestick Park in, in the park's history, right? So, so luckily, I was in a luxury box because uh, my dad, a big Giants fan, uh, he and some of his friends who were, I think they were uh, trainers for Stanford um, Athletics, so they, they were able to work something out to get him into a luxury box and bring his diehard uh, Giants fan... 72 hour old baby uh there to to watch uh dave dravecki and uh and the giants i think i think that's who pitched that day uh so by default i was thrown into the giants lore of, of fandom just immediately and then from there uh he just uh went to a bunch of games all the time with my dad who is a diehard fan i mean he went to game three of the 1989 world series when the earthquake happened you know like he was on the field uh, after the game got kind of postponed and was walking around with his home video camera looking oh, okay there's Willie Mays hanging out in the dugout with you know because he was friends with uh you know the Giants uh organization for all that time right but just you know oh there's uh there's Kruko you know all that stuff right so uh so that was pretty funny uh he my dad, big Giants fan, so he got me into it, and we'd go to games all the time. School night, you know, falling asleep on the ride home, uh, you know, just say, hey, sorry, honey, it was a, it was a long game. My mom's like, Ugh. you know, it's it's 11 p.m., come on. Uh, so I went to a bunch of games when I was a kid, um, and then, you know, not to go too far into this, because uh, I could talk forever about my Giants history, but uh, really, really started following every single game uh pretty much after high school because i was so 
doing way too many things in high school to really focus on the Giants all the time. So once once I had more free time, I, I think around the 2006 season, uh, not your best season to really dive in head first, but there was some promise with Matt Cain coming up and this guy named Tim Lincecum was a prospect that might make his debut soon. And sure enough, he came up the next year. So Bonds last year, all that fun stuff was when I was just every single game either watching it, listening to it, checking box scores, all that stuff. Uh, so ever since then, I've just been uh, Giants diehard, as you, you guys are. So um, I, I, like I said, I could go on, but I, I don't want to, you know, go crazy deep into the, the Giants uh, fandom discussion. But that's where I'm at. Very interesting start there. Dave, have you got a follow-up question? Well, he actually just answered it. So <laughs> I was going to ask, what was the point? When you're like, I'm now die hard and I'm this is my life now. This is <laughs> yeah. And that was yeah. it, two thousand six. <laughs> yeah, that, and, and two thousand six. So yeah, thanks for asking my question. <laughs> I, I, I knew you were gonna ask that, Dave. I just you know, I just knew it. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'll just say two thousand six. In sync, exactly. <laughs> I went to probably uh, I remember writing it down. I didn't go to a ton of games. It's not like I lived in San Francisco and, you know, being a 19-year-old, I didn't have money to go to baseball games all the time, especially when it's for free on TV. But uh, I went to about 10 games that year, and the Giants uh, the Giants went 1-9 and nine in the games I went to. And the one win I saw, was it was on the road in Oakland. So I never even got to see them win a game at uh, then. I think it was officially AT&T Park then. Uh, it was like the first year of it or something. Um, after SBC and Pac Bell and all that stuff. But it was pretty miserable, man. I was like, man, can I catch a break? I mean, I was seeing a game where they had a four run lead in the ninth and they blew it. Like Benitez gave up a grand slam. I'm like, get the. That was my win. I had that win right there. So it was, you know, that would have made a, a another fan question and go, hmm, well, the A's are starting to win. Maybe I'll go over there. No, yeah. no, no. I, I stuck with my Giants uh, th- through and through. And uh, sure enough, uh, feel like I was rewarded for that decision. I'd say. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting you say about the my first three games that I saw. So I was 0 three to start oh. <laughs> watching, actually being there and watching. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, am I really going to come back again? Yeah, so. You take it personally <laughs> at that point. You're like, you guys. Yeah, yeah. It's like, come on. It's yeah. a three-game series. You can win one. And then the, the game you don't go to, they, they get like a nine-run yeah. lead at some point. And you're going, you know, I would have loved to be there for that. <laughs> Ash, have you got a follow-up question? Yeah. Uh, Brooks, do you remember your first game at the New Ball Park when it opened? Do you remember going to the New Park from Candlestick for the first time? I can kind of answer that question. I, I only remember my first game there because uh, um, just we I have a picture that I took with my dad there, and it has uh, like one of those animated frames that comes with it, and it says inaugural season 2000, right? And they gave us these signs, and Charlie's going to love this one. Uh, they gave us signs that said that we held for the photo, and it said, who let the dogs out? That was like a huge song at that point in 2000 <laughs> and i look at that photo and i laugh because it was so silly like like hey we're at a baseball game let's do a baja men shout out like i don't know it was just it was funny to me um and it said giants versus reds uh and i think i remember yeah there was a it was like a june game i'm gonna have to look up what happened in that game but clearly at that point i didn't even watch a pitch i was like oh cool there's the coke slide and there's yeah the, uh, there's the uh um Man, I, f- I forget what they had in 
I was too old for something like Build a Bear or whatever, but I was like, oh, that's cool. And then like, oh, there's the, uh, there's the tr- uh, trolley car there. Okay, uh, I'll hang out on that. So I was probably more focused on looking at all the stuff at the ballpark than even watching the game because I was still, you know, I think I was like 12 or 13. So it was like, yeah, this is fun, but look at this place. Uh, you know, Giants are losing by 15. That's cool. No worries. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Yeah. On another chat slash podcast, Brooks, you've kind of um, touched on that you're involved in the Ashcon and Bailey feeling like a giant video as well. Yeah. Um, could you uh, give us a minute or two on like how you end up being involved in that as well? Yeah, that was um, just to uh, go a little further back. Uh, right around the 2011 uh, beginning of that season, I started, um, you know, just kind of filming some fan interviews. I was trying to put together a little little video uh you know kind of like a little mini documentary just on giants fans uh hope to release it one day kind of got lost in the shuffle for uh you know halted on distribution and uh, some other things so um more on that at 11 but uh for what i uh started doing there was getting a different um interview set up and one of the guys i interviewed was ashcon who uh at the time everyone knew was uh famous for the Don't Stop Believing uh, video that went viral. So I, he was nice enough to, uh, to meet me up uh, before, I think it was before a game, we filmed it over um, near the ballpark. And then from then, uh, me and Ash just ended up being, sorry, not, not this Ash, I, I call him Ash, uh, Ashcon, me and Ashcon used to be, uh, uh, we, we ended up kind of sparking up a good friendship there. And, um, and then from there, they started getting a lot of creative uh, stuff going with um, at the time uh, Comcast Sportsnet is what they called it uh, was the local station and we were able to uh, work on a project called The Authentic Fan in which Ashcon would be the host and he would do a bunch of different things uh, that Giants fans uh, would do like ride the ferry to the game what's that like well Amy G joined us on that one <clears throat> uh, we went to the San Jose Giants game and interviewed uh, the top prospect at the time, Gary Brown. I feel like we cursed him a little bit because that was like, uh, you know, the last <laughs> we really heard from him at that point. Um, so anyways, we did a bunch of Giants fan uh, stuff uh, on that show. And and then one of the episodes we did uh, as they were getting ready to film uh, their music video, Feeling Like a Giant, at the ballpark. Uh, I think it was a Giants were on the road. So full access to the park and it was a you know made it even cooler was it was nighttime so it was just kind of get chills being on the field under these bright lights going this is i i pictured like forty one thousand people there i'm like i would just i think my heart would beat out of my chest at that point i'm like uh so i i had fun standing in the in the box with uh with bond where bonds would stand you know and just kind of did my little little bonds waggle there but uh, the reason we were there was we were filming uh, behind the scenes. We weren't actually filming the music video, but we were doing all the behind the scenes coverage and uh, ended up making an episode out of that. And it just, just I don't know, it's, it always makes me smile just thinking about it because it was just such a fun time. The Giants were reigning World Series champions and we're on the field under the bright lights. Uh, and it was also weird because like, the Coke bottle light was not on and, and other scoreboard was not on, so it was just partially felt like we were at a ball game but also like no this doesn't seem right something's missing uh where's all the fans yeah so it was it's kind of a 
a very surreal uh, thing to be a part of, and I was just stoked to uh, just be there and watch them make that video because it's just awesome. So. Very good, yeah, and it really did end up uh, taking off as well. Uh, speaking of taking off and going into the popularity of the Giants, like not just in the Bay Area but outside the U.S. and beyond as well, um, I know we've only like been talking closely about the Giants for about a month or so now, and like we did have the odd Twitter conversation before that, and you've seen Ash around a little bit and read a bit of his work, and you're obviously meeting Dave for the first time today. So, what are your early impressions of the Giants fan base, and you've, have you kind of thought about whether the, how big the Giants have, are globally in the past at all? Yeah, I actually it's funny when when I was doing some. Uh some research for that fan documentary, if you want to call it, uh, that I was working on, you know, 10 years ago, even I was just looking into, uh, cool stories about, um, how the 2010 world series, uh, championship was perceived, uh, around the globe too, you know? And, and that's when I was seeing, Oh, there's giants fans in Canada. That's cool. Oh, there's giants fans in Australia. There's, you know, and so definitely UK was, uh, was top on that uh, list of, um, I would look up like YouTube videos of reaction of when the giants, you know, when Brian Wilson struck out Nelson Cruz and I would see this giant UK bar of guys just, just losing their mind. And I'm going, man, they are reacting the same way we were. And this is just cool. It's, it, it means a lot to us. It means a lot to them. And, you kind of forget that it's not just oh the Giants San Francisco no it's global and uh, so that I already had somewhat of an idea that you know there's a strong uh, following overseas uh, across the pond as as Charlie would say um, and I just in this last uh, couple months of of you know working uh, on you know we're just having fun with Giants chatter and as you know our other groups um definitely w one thing i'm noticing is uh you know for the uk fans especially uh knowledge that's the one thing that stands out they're not coming out here going you know what, what's what's with his batting average why is he hitting this you know these guys these guys and girls are are more analytical uh thinking they they consider all facets of the game uh they they just seem to be a lot more locked in than one would imagine. Uh, it has nothing to do with how close you are to the stadium. You know, if you follow the team where you where you live, then you know that's that's perfect. You know, and that's kind of what I've noticed. Uh, from, you know, early on, like you were saying. So, uh, Ash, have you got a follow-up question? Yeah, it's. Uh, I agree very much with what Brooks was saying. I think, uh, like. The advances in technology in the last 10 20 years has made the world like such a smaller place so even though we live eight hours away from where the games are happening like we can follow closer than ever before um i think my question for you brooks is do you have anything similar do you have any interests in our country do you follow premier league do you follow any any sports over here have you ever thought about it i could answer that uh honestly i i i've never been into uh i've never played uh what we call soccer over here i i played it when i was like five and then uh and then i moved on to other sports and then i i i, I never actually played a lot of sports uh after little league anyways right i just kind of i i was more into uh playing music playing guitar playing you know going to concerts all that fun stuff so i 
So this this is answering your question, I promise. But I <laughs> I'm saying I, I stopped playing sports at a certain age and just focused on uh, not being committed to uh, have to do practice and and games on Friday nights and all these things. So I uh, that to me is probably why I don't follow uh, you know uh, you know football and. Uh, soccer, uh, that combo there um, as much. I, I kind of just stay, you know, obviously baseball, number one, and then, <clears throat> uh, you know, basketball and football are probably number two combined, and then three is hockey, and I don't, I haven't really branched out further than that, and I would like to eventually uh, kind of get to know the other, the other sports that I've been missing out on all this time. I mean, I know friends that are, you know, big rugby uh, fans, uh, fans and they they have like a certain channel on their tv that they pay for to watch the game you know the matches and everything and i'm like oh that's like i'd like to like to i don't even know how i get into that you know and uh, just kind of start watching and figure it out from there so so i i'm interested for sure i just haven't really had any experience there if you need any help we'll point you in the right direction <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah dave have you got a question to add on to this well, I don't really follow English sports anyway, so <laughs> it doesn't matter if you don't. <laughs> but it'd be easier time difference-wise because we're up early in, well, we're into the night and into the morning to watch San Francisco game. But I think yours, you'd obviously be in the morning, you'd be able to watch evening games when you wake up. <laughs> so that'd be pretty cool with your breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's I think um, being a you're quite on your own as a fan over here so you're in the middle of the night you're watching so everything is you're taking in you've got Kuiper and Krug and you've got Miller telling you all the stats what's going on and it's so you're just sat taking in you haven't got people like yapping chatting taking so I think that's why we might be a bit more locked in that way I guess hmm. yeah that's a good point yeah, um, Brooks, when the Yankees and Red Sox came over to London, there was a lot of furor from their fan base about having a game in the UK and losing home games, etc. Do you think the Giants fan base would be the same way if, if they came to London one day? And would you be willing to come and watch a game in London as well if the Giants were playing? Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? I, I, I want to go to London even if there wasn't a ball game. I just want to, you know, that's high on my list. I haven't left the continent, really. I mean, I, I've furthest I've gone besides Hawaii uh, is Mexico um, so I've been just you know in one part of the world only you know so I'd love to go and and you know just experience just going to a pub and just just you know have having some drinks with with you guys and and just you know being being a tourist and taking millions of photos of everything you know so that I can already answer yes I'd love to and then it would be insane not to plan it around, oh, the Giants are going to be there? Hell yeah, I'm going to that. <laughs> I'm definitely going to go to that. So um, so definitely on that uh, question. And then um, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I, I think any fans that are worried about <clears throat> missing out on a three home games, is, it's, it, it, that's silly to me. You know, just I would say – Hey, the Giants are going to go play in. Uh, I don't even know what stadium they play. Uh, which one that the Red Sox and Yankees played at? But I'm just, I'm assuming it's easier to hit a home run there than it is yeah. at Oracle. So, so I would say the fans are, are crazy not to think that Giants can go over there and pop out like eight homers in a series there. You know, so so why not? You know, so it's like going to a uh, 
It's like, oh yeah, it's like going to Cincinnati. You know when the Giants go to Cincinnati or something like that, you know they're just going to mash, right? Uh, so it'd be kind of like the same thing. Okay, very good. And as we were on hiatus for quite a while last season, uh, we thought we'd go back to last season just to uh, just to say we were watching and like we did have some points to make about it. So my my question for you all is, what's one part of the game, and this can be in general, like as in a part of a team, like the bullpen rotation or offense, or in terms of a specific player? Do the Giants need to improve on from last season going into 2021? And I'll go to Dave first and then Ash and then Brooks, please, on this one. Yeah, I read, I read a few things. Um, one that stood out, which I think they've already sort of, they're addressing it now, is the starting pitching. And it's looking better already. You know, Goldsman's re-signed. Beedy, he should be back after Tommy John, I believe. He will be. I think they should they're, be back. They're targeting year. June, I think. Yeah, yeah. you got Quater Wood. They brought in Alex Wood, which, well, <laughs> even though he was a Dodger, I mean, and Desclafani, he's uh, pitching tonight. So, I think um, we need to see improvement from starting pitching. But we're definitely, I think that's definitely going to go a long way to getting better. Interesting. Um, Ash, are you going to stay on the same wavelength as Dave there on the starting pitching side, or are you going to move to a different part of the team for where they need to improve for 2021? I will uh, I will stay in the similar realm of the uh, yeah, similar area. I was going to say uh, they need to improve on the relief pitching, the, the bullpen. I think we all had our nightmares last season um, with the, the, some of the ninth inning meltdowns we saw. Um, and it looks like the team have addressed that this year. Um, so, yeah, I'm optimistic for, for the relief pitching this year with the additions that the, the Giants have made. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely the area to improve for, for this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, there is definitely room for improvement there. As you, as you said there, Ash, there was that nightmare series against the A's where unfortunately trevor got imploded and earlier on <laughs> and earlier on there were uh, miscues from likes <laughs> yeah and even before that there were miscues from the likes of rico garcia randy peralta almost seemingly everyone at times bar one or two uh so brooks are you going to continue the pitching theme or are you going to move on to a different part of the team here um and this is just basically what we would like uh, if you could just rephrase it one more time, it, it, what we'd like to see improvement on, is that what it is? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, so where you'd see like to see the team improve on, so it could be a part of the team or a player who you think should have done better last season, but you think will do better this season. Ooh, I'd love to, I'd love to just say uh, I want Kapler to push more of the right buttons. Uh, he he, he kind of got a year of, uh, you know, that 60-game sample of, kind of feeling out the bullpen and and you know getting to know some of these guys a lot of these guys came back obviously they have a bunch of new arms and stuff um, but for the guys he does know um, I'd like for him to use a little bit more gut feeling when he can and not just say well I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a I'm gonna go back to got here and just you know I, I believe in him so I want to show him that I believe in him it's like maybe you should probably just say I need to give this guy a couple days off mentally <laughs> to, to you know. And as we saw last year, Giants needed every win 
to be able to get into the postseason. They just missed it. So would have helped uh, if he had better uh, um, intuition on uh, how to manage the bullpen. And he had big shoes to fill of, of how, you know, Bochi was the bullpen artist, you know. He had maybe one hiccup in his tire Giants career with the bullpen. Uh, other than that, he was a master of how to use guys, when to use them, when to use them two days in a row, when to give them two days in a row off. I mean, just just beautiful work there by Boach. Uh, and then Kapler left a lot to be desired of how he handled the bullpen last year. So, so after everything that you guys were saying, you know, I for me, I'm thinking I want better managing and better coaching for this year. I, we give him kind of a a little bit of a break last year uh, because of the circumstances, new team, new city, new everything. So I want Kapler to, to show me a little bit more this year. Yeah, I think we've all fit, fitted quite well in, into uh, what we're all saying there. Because I know Dave started with a starting rotation, which I think had the least quality starts and least innings pitched as a rotation of any rotation in baseball. And I'm going to follow on from what Ash and Brooks were saying by also adding in that I, I – I still rate a lot of that bullpen highly. I think it was primarily down to underperformance to begin with. Like there were bright signs at the end when they had a 2.62 ERA during the last three weeks of the season. Caleb Berrigar was unscored upon, well, almost unscored upon. He only allowed one run in his last 14 and third innings. And Tyler Rogers, I think this is something that surprises everyone, didn't actually allow a run in his last eight outings. And then you've added on Jake McGee, who had a 2.66 ERA with the Dodgers after that. An 11 to 1 strikeout ratio, which is absolutely amazingly incredible. Like, you literally only expect Cy Young contenders to be that good. And then there's Matt Whistler as well with, with his 1.07 ERA in Minnesota. And just to go down the stat side on that, uh, Fangraphs have actually predicted the bullpen to be worth 2.3 war this coming year. It was actually worth 0.6 last year. So, that's already three wins onto what we had, and we all know how much of a difference three wins would have made last year. Yeah, and I'll add to that, you know, that's Fangrass projecting, um, you know, some of these guys that you, uh, us four would probably not even um, hope that is getting uh, 40, 50, 60 appearances out of the bullpen this year, maybe. I, I don't want to, you know, pick any names here, but there's clearly, uh, you know, some better upside options this year. So if Fangrass isn't even thinking about a Curveen Castro or a Neil Nunez or Camilo Duvall, if they don't even have them in their projected uh, war, can you imagine, right? Those guys offer a lot of upside. So, so definitely. No, very good. And I'm kind of you, glad you went down the prospect way, Brooks, because my next question is partly to do with that. <laughs> so perfect segue in there. So who is one player that you've been focused on in spring training and what do you think about their performance so far? I know Asher's kind of dis disappeared due to technical difficulties, but we are hoping he will be back any minute. So I'll go to you first, Dave, and then I'll go to Brooks. Uh, for me personally, it's Ramos, Elliot Ramos, just because he seems like the closest one to be potentially be coming up this year. I know Luciano is cool and young and <laughs> looks big. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ramos, yeah. He's batting over 300 at the moment, but it's only a few games. But we haven't been able to see too much. I think there's uh, eight eight at bats, but I don't think we've been able to see all of them. But from what I've seen, he looks good. Maybe if uh, someone underperforms in the outfield, or maybe some injuries 
we might get to see him. Uh, held back a bit by COVID last year, just because of the minors. Leagues weren't running, but yeah, I'll, I'll hopefully see a lot more from him this spring as it gets going, and hopefully he'll make it up. Yeah. Yeah, very much. He is definitely a key prospect going forward. He could play centre field. He could play outfield. He's got all the tools to be someone who can con who can contribute every day, even if he doesn't hit his ceiling, which is very important. As unfortunately, not every prospect does hit their ceiling. So, in terms of players we've been following this spring training and how they've done so far, we'll go to Brooks and then Ash. So, Brooks, uh, are you going to stay down the prospect path, or are you going to go to a veteran on this? Um. It's so it's, it's like so hard to pick like one guy, right? Um, so, and it changes every day, right? And so, oh yeah, I'm really interested in seeing this guy, and this guy, and that guy. Uh, I, I don't know the the first, you know, I'm just going with the first name that popped in my head. Um, I'm really really interested in seeing Aaron Sanchez. I just want to see, I just want to see him out there. Hopefully, it's a televised game. I want to see what his stuff looks like. I want to see. Um, you know how the Giants are planning on using them. Um, you know, I, first couple of weeks of spring, that question is never answered. But toward the end of spring, I'd like to see is he somebody that's getting five something innings? Uh, you know, is is he building up his arm? And we all know that he's coming back from injury. Um, there's you know incentive for him to start games and you know earn extra money this year. Um, so he's going to try to avoid the bullpen at all costs, just like we all would. Hey, bullpen, you get less money. Starting, you get maybe another $3 million or whatever it is. So he's going to do whatever he can to get into that rotation, um, which makes it tougher for a guy like Logan Webb and, and uh, to immediately be there. Um, and obviously uh, Aaron Sanchez, just staying healthy would be uh, most ideal for for his uh, you know future too, right? He's He's kind of rebuilding his value and he's I think 28 29 almost um so he's got a chance to lock in a four-year deal somewhere whether it's with the Giants or somebody else uh, if he comes out uh lights out this year and performs so that's why I'm like really I'm just I, I just want to see this guy pitch he's, <laughs> there's a lot going on there like and you can say that about a lot of the rotation pieces they're all trying to ball out this year and, and then get paid in the next offseason so uh, that's what's cool about the Giants. They have all these guys with contract year mindset, you know, like pitch well, get paid. Let's go, baby. So, yeah, Absolutely. And it's been proven like Kevin Gaussman, he came in on what an eight, nine million dollar deal, I think it was, turned that into a qualifying offer. Drew, Drew Smiley pretty much doubled his money when he went off to Atlanta. And as some of the pitchers who have come in have said, like, it is a place to go. Um, San Francisco now is a place to go if you are kind of somebody who's looking to rebuild value, get back into it. And actually on the MLB.com today, Mike Petrello on there actually put put um, wrote up an article about why the Giants are a sleeper team for next year. And one of the reasons he put down was this, start, was this starting pitching. Uh, so... Ash, is there someone you've been following during spring training, and how do you think they've done so far? Ash is, we seem to be having technical difficulties with Ash at the moment. Um, just while Ash is uh, rejigging things, Brooks, um, do you th and I'll go to you as well on this, Dave. Uh, who do you guys think will ultimately end up as the number two pitcher outside of um, 
Yeah, it's um, the guys I'm mostly focusing. Um, <clears throat> I, I think, uh, Charlie, you said who is the number two after Galsman? Well, who do you think, like, out, coming out of spring training will end up as a number two after Gaussman? Yeah, and I'll go to you first, Brooks, and then you, Dave. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I think the common answer for people are, has been uh, Cueto in that spot. I, I don't necessarily uh, agree for the mo for just for the fact that he'll be going up against other number two pitchers. I know Cueto's got the, the mind to be a number two. I don't know if he has... Um, enough of the stuff although he looked good in his his uh, two innings the other day which was awesome two innings four k's i love love to see that but i think hitters are still working on timing and spring training so i try to take that with a grain of salt but um yeah going back to who could be a solid number two for the giants um i i kind of like alex wood as my number two um i don't really care about putting him three or four to break up any you know it's it's only about the first opening series and the rest of it is it is what it is, right? I mean, he still will break up righties, uh, you know, the rest of the way. So if it's righty, lefty, righty, 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 lefty, it doesn't matter. It's wherever you put him. He's still going to be breaking up four righties. Uh, so I know I, I had to go off on, uh, on that <laughs> one for the moment, but it, it, it only matters for your opening series of 162, and that's it. So so I like – I think Alex Wood has the biggest upside to be – uh, pre-injury Alex Wood, I think he gives you number two uh, uh, type of uh, output, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good point because he is a pitchability pitcher as well. He's not got a pitch interaction that really strains himself physically as well. It's very, very repeatable and it's arguable that he's been really unlucky with injuries. Uh, so, Dave, would you go with Alex Wood being the likely number two out spring training or would you go to somebody else? Well, I certainly can't argue with any. That I've just said, yeah. But if you had just said that off the cuff, I probably would have just said Quato, just because it's Johnny Quato. But maybe Descafani. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that you've said that, you know, he's, he's, he's won me over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, uh, <clears throat> Johnny probably will, for his veteran uh, status and coming off of a you know he had a pretty solid year last year he, he made every start i think that's solid so um so cueto might be the natural number two out of camp kind of thing but i think eventually <clears throat> you might see a little shuffling there because i like gossman uh wood and then maybe a cueto in a one two three type of series like i would love that uh against maybe the dodgers i di sclafani i think is is a solid pitcher, but he, to me, seems like a number four pitcher, right? So putting him number two means probably got some issues in the rotation. And then, uh, yeah, there, there's so many options. Obviously, there's a few guys that could, you, you could put in there. Do you think you yeah. could see ever see a six-man rotation? Yeah, they were, they were kind of, you know, discussing that being an open possibility. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's pointless to you know, if everyone stays healthy in a six-man rotation, you're eliminating two or three starts of Gossman for the whole year. So I just think that's yeah. pointless. I mean, that's Gossman's one guy, right? So anyways, yeah, I, I think with all the off days and how many guys they're going to be using out of the bullpen, I don't think you need a six-man rotation. I don't think yeah. you need it. So. 
I think the counter-argument to Brooks's point is that Cap and Farhan have both said like the rotation will be very conservatively used like early on in terms of pitch count and innings count just due to the short season last season and the amount of pitches on other teams that got injured in comparison to the Giants. So I think there is a case to say like if everybody again is only going three or four innings, then that could be a situation where they say, all right, Logan Webb pitched one spring training. He's He's got his command back. His arms. He's finding his arms up a lot earlier than the, earlier on than he was. His changeups there. We'll, we'll give him a shot in the sixth as a six man for two weeks while we build everybody up and get everybody to a point where they can go hopefully five or six innings a lot more often than they did. But just to go back to the original question at hand. The guy I've been following at spring training, and I think he excites all of us whenever we hear the name. And I know, Brooks, you might be getting sick of hearing me talk about him now because we've talked about him numerous times in different chats and podcasts. Is Marco Luciano just because the upside, the excitement that he brings? We've never really had a prospect with that much ceiling. Not even Buster Posey was thought of as being basically a perennial MVP who could hit 35, 40 home runs, who can make contact, who can spray the ball across the field, who can play solid defense. And I know some fans are a bit down on Luciano's offense this spring training, but we need to remember he's only hit low low A pitching. That's, that's, as, that's as high as he's been in the system. Okay, you've got the alternate camp last year, but that's limited because you get to know those pitchers. So... <clears throat> So it's like having a repetitive training camp or practice. So after a while, you'll get used to them, get used to their habits. And he's gone from facing that sort of standard to inform mid-season, Dustin May, first time out. You can't really say that's on Luciano. He's He's gone out there for a 99 miles per hour. The curveball that he buckled on got the pitching ninja treatment on Twitter because it was absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And he is essentially number three pitcher at worst on most teams in the league. So you can't really put too much stock into that. And for Luciano, it's going to be more about how he improves going through the minor leagues this coming season, I think, rather than like how he does in this spring training. This is primarily for him to get some data in the back of his mind to say, Dustin May, right? He pitches that way. He pitches this and this count. He's got pitches that do this. And in two years' time, when he's hopefully facing him um, in early early April, he goes, oh, that was this that part where he threw me a curveball a while ago. I wonder if he's going to do that here. And he might foul it off. He might hit it for a home run. But, yeah, he'll have a lot better looking at bats than when he does so far. And I saw today Buster only of ESPN was comparing him on KMBR body-wise to... Xander Bogets. Um, so if you guys want to just quickly chime in on what you think about that comparison, uh, Brooks first and Dave. Yeah, sure. Um, anybody that has any uh, thoughts and questions about Luciano striking out in spring training, please at me. Please talk to me. I'd, I'd like to I'd like to hear what, what you're thinking. And make sure you bring up, uh, you know, Buster Posey strikeouts and make sure you bring up uh, – uh, Tommy Listella's strikeouts while you're at it because, you know, you, you got to be all in or all out on this stuff. I mean, these guys are working on timing right now. They're, you and I we go to the batting cage after not going to the batting cage and they're throwing 60-mile-per-hour baseballs. You and I would be off timing. We're, we need to get, you know, we need to get our timing down, right? These guys, it's not only has it been in so much uh, time off, but, you know, like a guy like Luciano hasn't really played – a lot of intense feeling games in years, right? Because of the the shutdown last year. So, 
So coming out there and, and facing, like you said, like a Dustin May who's just his ball dances. You know, he, he throws the ball. It's, it starts here. It breaks here. You know, all these degrees all over the place. I mean, he's, he's a talented guy. And so is Luciano. But, you know, that's a matchup right there. Someone's got to win it. And right now Luciano is still working on his timing. He, he's striking out a ton. Um, you know, so I, I – just, just saying, it's spring training. Let let the guy keep going up there and, and getting his at bat, striking out. It's it's all for good. And then, uh, and you know, I think our hype on him has everything to do with uh, how young he is, um, what he's done to this point in the lower minors, uh, his body type, all the tools, uh, how he's progressed. I mean, that's you know, that that to me is is something that like Charlie was saying we haven't had anything like that in a long time like a guy like Buster Posey coming up was way different he was a you know a polished college player we knew he was going to come up and immediately uh you know be in the mix in the next year or so I mean Luciano it's it's he's been playing what a few years now as a you know 17 18 19 uh so He'll probably be up uh, next year, I think, because they have to add him to the 40-man roster at the end of 22 uh, season anyways. So might as well get him up at September of 2022. Yeah, Dave, are you happy with the Xander Bogats comparison, or would you, you like to see maybe him compared to somebody a little bit better? Uh, yeah, I'm not really into the comparison thing. I don't Bogart's Red Sox. <laughs> There's not enough time in the day to watch all the Giants games without watching everyone else's as well. But Twitter's a, a strange place sometimes. And then you see people giving up on a player. His first game against that sort of pitching on TV uh, in an evening game. That's you know. a good point. Yeah. On you TV, know. too. <laughs> How many times has Luciano batted with, with cameras on? <laughs> You know, he knows that everyone's watching back home because it's an evening game. It's, and he didn't look phased by it at all. You know, so I'd I'd take more from that. And that he, he looked cool and composed and ready to go. You know, he wouldn't. You couldn't see that he was frustrated or anything. Like you say, he's just he's working it out. He's he's seeing these new pitches. He's getting this new timing. You know, <laughs> there's yeah. plenty of time for him to catch up with major league pitching and and to add yeah. to dave real quick the uh the good point about him being on tv and all that stuff uh i, I love that um but also uh his at-bats did get better in that one game uh, we're talking about the game against the dodgers where he struck out three times right so his second at-bat yeah. he got a little bit better still struck out his third at-bat he was fouling off some some you know tough pitches there and extending the at-bat further and further but I like that he went down swinging you know he's not going up there going well yeah. you know hopefully that's a ball so I can walk you know he's up there going I, I'm going to try to hit this ball out of the entire county right now just one swing <laughs> and he missed it and that's okay with me totally okay with me yeah I think yeah, that's definitely a... rather see him swinging in spring yep. training <laughs> yep, yep. especially at his age yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> enjoy it yeah seriously <laughs> Yeah, I think that's one thing that's impressed me, like about the younger prospects in general, like even on the pitching side, like Kervin Castro, Camilo Duval, and Dave's they, referenced to you at Ramos earlier. They've, they've shown no fearlessness at this level because like, they've been hitting pitching that's some sometimes like against the Dodgers that's way above like what they've been been hitting or on the on the hitting side they've been facing pitches that they're not used to. So 
I think that's a that's a good omen going forward because they seem to have the makeup, they seem to have, and uh, everything else will come on top of that as we've been saying. So, move, moving on. So, we got some injury list updates yesterday. So, Brandon Belt has resumed baseball activities after rehabbing from off-season heel surgery, and he was down with a non-related COVID virus for a while as well. Austin Slayer is swinging the bat, but still dealing with a mild sore hamstring, was the quote. And Evan Longoria currently has plantar fasciitis issues, although he did DH yesterday, going one for two with a three-run double as a DH. So, Dave, I'll come to you first with this question. Um, if Brandon Belt isn't ready to go on opening day, who would you like to see starting on first base? Who would I like to see on first? Wow. Um, is it Vosler, Vosler? Vosler, yeah. Yes, there's a new name to get used to. The mm -hmm. Probably him. Um, although I'd like to get uh, Flores' bat in the lineup. It's uh, the defense isn't as good as Brandon Belt's, but yeah, I'd like to get Flores' bat in there. No, we, we had the DH for a little bit, and uh, it was good being able to use him. So yeah, maybe yeah, I'd probably go with Flores at this moment. We'll see how it goes. But hopefully, Brandon Belt will be back. Yeah, I'm a fan of Belt. <laughs> That's my side on the Belt Wars. I love Yeah, yeah, same, same here. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so Brooks, the player I'm going to come to you with is if Austin Slater isn't available on opening day, who who, who do you believe would take his spot coming out of spring training? Well, uh, I, honestly, uh, how could you not say Vossler? I mean, he is just, uh, you know, they're putting him in left field now uh, as he did yesterday. I mean, they're they're just, just making sure that he's ready to be used uh, where they need him. Uh, so he could cover a belt injury, a Slater injury, both. Um, you know, I think someone would probably immediately go to a true outfielder like a, a Lamont Wade Jr., sure. Um, that could work too. But something about Vossler that he's showing uh, right now in spring is that he can hit lefties too, man. So yeah, he's doing, he's driving the ball, uh, triples, doubles against lefties uh, right now. So that already checks off a box that you're missing from Slater right there. Um, so, you know, just having that option, uh, and we all know, you know, they are high on this guy, Vossler. They, they jumped at the uh, opportunity to grab him early, early in the offseason. So, so I think to cover a Slater injury, um, and, you know, Slater is a you know, part-time first baseman as well. Uh, he has played, you know, when they needed him to. But it is, like, Dave was saying, I'm a, I'm a big Flores guy. I'd rather Flores get in the lineup where he can every day if possible. For a second, I don't care. Just put him in there. That guy is a, a real slugger, slugger. So, yeah, so I would I would probably go with Bossler, though. Um, I think he's, he's making his case right now. Early in spring, but making his case. Okay. Uh, welcome back to Ash. Uh, fingers crossed we've got the technical difficulties uh, sorted out now. Um, so, Ash, the two topics we covered while you were dealing with those issues were, is there a player that you've been following in spring training and how well have they performed so far? Yeah, sorry for my technical gremlins. I hope you can hear me. Um, the players I've been following are uh, Wade Jr. 
and uh, Jalen Davis. They're probably the two guys I'm going to follow closely um, because I'm very interested to see if either of them can win a spot in the outfield. Um, I'm thinking it's unlikely they'll be starting, but I would like to see if they could be that fourth outfielder off the bench. Um, so early signs, I mean, Davis hasn't been featuring very much. He's been, he's been dealing with a knock. Um, but Wade Jr. seems pretty bright so far, pretty positive. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be following those guys pretty closely this spring because um, I love the prospects. I love Bishop. I love Ramos. But I think realistically, we're not going to see either of those out of spring training. I think it's going to be either oh, if Slater's healthy, that would be cool. But it's going to be Wade Jr. or, or Jalen Davis. Maybe he'll finally get another crack at, at the team. Yeah, I like those. I like those picks. There's kind of been there's kind of been some disagreement amongst analysts about whether Wade can play center field. Uh, what's your view on that? If you've been able to see enough of him, either in game cast reports or game reports or on TV so far, Ash? Yeah, it's um, it's been limited so far because we've only had the two televised games at the time of recording. Um, hopefully we get to see him a bit tonight. We're, we're recording on a Sunday night, the third televised game. Um, so yeah, I will be keeping an eye on him closely. But yeah, I, I like what I've been hearing so far, but um, he's one to watch. Okay. And the other question was, there was an injury update yesterday where Evan Longoria, Austin Slayer, and Brandon Bell are currently all recovering from injuries. So. What I wanted to ask you was, if Evan Longor isn't ready to go on opening day, who would you like to see manning third base? Oh, uh, I know we've been loving Vossler. I know, I know he's made a hot start to the spring, so he's uh, he's an early candidate. I think uh, Lestella. I'd like to see Lestella at third base as well. But yeah, I think Vossler's the feel-good story of spring so far. So if he can keep up that hot bat. Uh, I really like his chances, and it'd be it'd be fun to have kind of a guy like that make the team. Yeah. We picked him for every position. Up <laughs> at least men we've at least mentioned him at each position. <laughs> obviously, all high on him. Yeah. I'll just say, if Vossler is zero for nine in spring training, you know, maybe like no strikeouts or whatever, like maybe he's hitting the ball hard, but they're all being caught. Uh, I, I don't think that really changes our thinking too much. I think we have already been excited about this guy for the sole reason that Farhan's excited about him. If Farhan's excited about him, all of a sudden you start hearing this name in your head, Yastrzemski, Yastrzemski, Yastrzemski. Okay, Vosleremski, baby, let's go. I, I don't care <laughs> if he's 0 for 9 or 9 for 9. I feel like the, the, uh, the chance for him to come in, uh, whether it's – opening day or later in April or something um, we all want to see this guy uh, play and it doesn't hurt that he's a left-handed hitting right-handed throwing uh, third baseman second base <clears throat> so he could be able to be platooned uh, Longoria mashes lefties doesn't do much against righties at all so we're all hoping that if it's not Listella, it's Vossler as the platoon piece at third so then things get tricky. If Longoria misses time, then you're going, well, Listella maybe he'll hit against those righties, and Vossler um, will hit against the lefties, because Vossler's raking lefties right now. He's showing that he can handle lefties, just like Yastrzemski, a left-handed batter. He has a 156 uh, WRC-plus against lefties 
uh, in his last 150 plate appearances. So that's like, okay, he can pass the test. Have him start every day. Maybe Vossler is like that too. We'll see. Yeah, so far he's been absolutely killing it in spring training. He's hitting 462 with 39 uh, OPS so far. So I think we're all in agreement there that he's shown more than enough so far to uh, plug in somewhere. So I'd agree with him at third base. Um, in terms of Brooks, what you were saying about Austin Slater, um, do you not think that would leave us a little bit shorthanded in the outfield? Like if you went from Slater to giving his spot to Bossler? Not really. Not really. Um, I'll, I'll just say this. Uh, left field, you could clearly go uh, Dickerson and Ruff, platoon there. You could give them every at-bat in left field, those two guys. Sure. Then you could have, and this is if Slater misses time. Then you can have Dubon in center, and when he's not playing center, uh, Yastrzemski you can play there. I mean, he's not he, he's had his issues in center, but I don't think we all care that much about it. He can go in there and, and make up for it with the bat and whatever. Hey, he, he's, a, he's an okay center fielder. He's really solid in right field, but not going to worry about having to try to pick up another guy for that week or whatever. You can just, yeah, just shuffle him in there if Dubon needs to play short for whatever reason. And then uh, right field is uh, simply enough, um, you know, Yaz most of the time in right. But, um, like, you know, there's a few guys that they can move around over there. I mean, it's it's totally fine. I, I don't think you need an extra outfielder just to uh, take over a Slater injury. So. Yeah, I think the key thing here is, as Farhan's been aiming to do, is we've built up a ton of options now. Like, two or three years ago, you would have been saying, well, if – uh, if a second baseman or if Longoria misses a game, like who's going to go there? And now it's like we're all like we could put Fossler there, or another way I think we could go is they're kind of stuck on how to get Ju Bond and Lastella both in the lineup at the same time at times. I think so. One way you could go on opening days, you could have Lastella at third and Ju Bond at second and do it that way. Because I know it's an unpopular sentiment among some Giants fans, but um, would you guys say Ju Bond's potentially a trade piece? This off, um, this season, I'll go to you, Ash, then Dave, then Brooks on that. That's uh, that's interesting. I hadn't even contemplated the idea of Dubon as a trade piece. Um, sorry, not Dubon. Sorry, I meant um, Solano. <laughs> yes, sorry, Solano. Oh, oh, oh baby, yes. sorry. My, I was, my apologies. I was, I was looking <laughs> on what I was going to say about a Dubon trade. I was like. I was starting to kick the tires on Dubon trade. It's all right, it's all right. Hey, it's spring training, baby. Come on. Uh, yeah, go, go for that. Sorry. You know, just um, when you train a port, it's because we're off like, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, a potential Solano trade. What well, are thoughts there, guys? So we'll go to Ash, then Dave, then Brooks. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's interesting. If you look at Solano's career, He's only really like started to put it together in the last couple of years. So a lot of people say, well, what would, what do you get for this, you know, early 30s kind of bit part player who's kind of turned it around recently? But he is coming off the back of a silver slugger, albeit in the shortened 2020 season. So I don't know. I think if the Giants can net a semi-decent prospect for him, I think that's something they will explore. And maybe it will depend on how the team's doing. If we're into the summer and well out of it, then he's like a prime piece to throw at the deadline to a contender, especially if his bat is still hot, which it has been basically since he got to San Francisco. He's been one of the best bats we've had since since he turned up. So um, I would not be surprised if 
Farhan and the team are looking at potentially dealing him, which would be a shame because Donny Barrels is one of my favourite nicknames on the team. Uh, I'll be sad to see that go. Yeah, same here. Yeah, Dave, would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think since Farhan's come in, uh, work is magic. I think most of us are trusting Farhan now <laughs> and what he can do and the whole money ball, getting low, so high. You know, you can see it. And like you say, it, it was a standout season. So he's at his highest point. So, yeah, I, I can see it happening. But we'll see what Farhan said. I'll, I'll take my cues from him. <laughs> okay, Brooks, what are your thoughts? Um, it's as simple as uh, they don't need to trade Solano, right? So that's why the Giants have leverage in any deal there. It's not like, okay, we all know you're trying to get rid of Solano. And I was like, no, we Solano's mm-hmm. our second baseman for all we're concerned. We have enough guys to mix and match. You know, Solano... You know, don't laugh, but he can play third and he can play short, but, you know, <laughs> he can play those positions, they say. Uh, no, uh, what I what it, what it really comes down to, I think, for me, is Farhan is considering that option of keeping him around all year. He's also considering the option of trading him. He's probably got some conversations going. He's got the text thread going. Hey, baby, Solano just hit a homer. <laughs> what do you think? Is that going to look good on your team this year? Um so what it comes down to, I think they're waiting for the official, official decision on the DH this year. And I still think there's, it's kind of being discussed. Charlie, is that right? They're still uh, somewhat. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, wait- yeah. Yeah. The beat writers are saying it's still, it's still an ongoing discussion. They could come back at any time and say, yeah, we're, we're going to put it in. So, right there, right? Uh, if you traded Solano today, and the next week they said, all right, the DH is here to stay forever. <laughs> now the Giants are going, God dang it. We did, not only did we trade a guy who could be a DH, but he, we traded a guy who we would want in our lineup every day at second, and then like a Flores or Darren Ruff, and these guys could be our DH all the time. Um, you know, La Stella, uh can play every day, you know, whether it's – Vossler at third that day, or and you know Flores and Solano and Vossler and Longer. It's like all these guys that are trying to mix and match. So the DH uh, would really uh, make things uh, easier for the Giants. So I think they're still, you know, they're they're ready to go if they need to trade Solano. If they have a guy that they have, uh, you know, maybe another Vossler type of player that uh, that might be available in a trade um, scenario and. Uh, and if they need to keep Solano, sure. No problem keeping a 330 bat on your team. <laughs> and he's not making that much money, obviously. Uh, the Giants said <laughs> 675 back in our pocket. Uh, so Solano is uh, he's not making very much money, which also means you don't have to force him into the lineup. He's not, you know, kind of have to do that a little bit with like a Longoria because, hey, we're paying him. You know, it's that whole mantra. So, so yeah, Solano. Could stay, could go. Could stay, could go. All right, nice insights, guys. I think we've given everybody a good overview of a few of the battles that are going on in spring training and which players to focus on. So next, I want to go to you, Asher. What have you got up on Batflips and Nerds at the moment and what do you have coming up in terms of articles, please? 
Yes, yeah, so my most recent pieces have been uh, exploring who might be taking first base uh, in Brandon Belt's absence until he can come back and join us. Um, so I looked at Flores and Lestella, maybe even Posey part-time there at first base. Um, I recently had a look at the rotation, a little preview about what our rotation might look like, um, focusing kind of on the battle at the, the back end of the rotation, who's going to be that fifth starter. It's going to be fascinating watching over the next couple of weeks how Sanchez gets on, as Brooks said, how, how Webb's going to do. Um, could someone like Yamaguchi maybe contend for that last spot? Um, and yeah, my next piece coming for Batflips, when I can finally get time to write it, will be uh, looking at that outfield battle uh, that I was uh, talking about earlier with Wade Jr., with, uh, with maybe even the prospects like Ramos, um, Jalen Davis and so on. So yeah, I'm going to be looking into that a little bit. And um, yeah, when I can find some time to do some writing, uh, you can expect to see that on batflipsandnerds.com in the future. Really, we look forward to it. Uh, Brooks, uh, you've been on a few podcasts recently. Is there any in particular you want to point out or any occurrences you have coming up? And do you want to say a bit about what's going on in Giants Chatter on Facebook at the moment as well? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, recently was on the Say Hey podcast with uh, Say Hey Doug, Say Hey Rob, and uh, Stephen Risotto from RizzoCast also joined us. And we broke down uh, a potential uh, platoon uh, option. So part one of the episode is talking about uh, a platoon against left-handed pitching. Uh, I led that conversation. And part two, I believe, will be on this Wednesday coming up. Uh, and that will be the second half uh, where Steven breaks down the potential platoon uh, lineup against right-handed pitching. So, so uh Give uh, give those a listen if you can. Say hey is uh, is a fun podcast. It's just just guys hanging out talking talking Giants. We we constantly are throwing out jokes and uh, impressions of of managers and players uh, <laughs> trying to do my Kapler when I can't <laughs> sound like uh, you know when I'm not working out uh, and. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, other than that, I don't have any other, like, appearances coming up at the moment. Um, it's uh, it's something I hope to keep doing uh, during the spring training, so I'm just really enjoying talking ball, uh, Giants. And, and uh, yeah, I look forward to chatting with you guys, too, and checking out your stuff. Very good. So uh, thanks to you all. Thanks to you, Dave, Ash, and Brooks for joining me today. And just to say, the next Splash Hits pod will be back in two weeks' time. So we'll be recording on Sunday, the 21st of March. And that will be very interesting because that will be our prediction show. So please feel free to tweet us at Splash Hits Pod on Twitter. So that's capital S-P-L-A-S-H, capital H-I-T-S, capital P-O-D, with any predictions you have from the 2021 season. And we'll read out the best of what we get. So it can either be who's going to be the Giants MVP, Giants Cy Young, giant most giants walks it can be who's going to have the best giants beard if you want to go really out there get really random and then uh, we look forward to hearing from you and thanks for listening and until next time go giants thanks for having me on cheers boys cheers guys thanks guys <laughs>